The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a lot of the new laws that are coming into effect and also being enforced in our wonderful state that is the privacy leader in the country. And we are welcoming back a wonderful guest who was on our show a couple years ago. He is doing fantastic work from D.C. And let me tell you a little bit about Mark W. Brennan. Esquire, an attorney with Hogan Lavelle's Global Lead Innovation, and he is the Global Lead Innovation Partner. He also, in July 1st, he also became the global head of Hogan Lavelle's Technology and Telecoms Industry Sector Group. So he is moving along there. He's responsible for championing, 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 I can't even speak today, innovation in client services and new products and legal innovation across the firm's global business. He is well-respected and known throughout the country. Um, He's a great voice on privacy and communications, and he advises clients on artificial intelligence, which is becoming a huge issue now, biometric data, which we're seeing all the time on our smartphones and our computers, government surveillance, which we hear about every day, Internet of Things, our connected devices, even our refrigerators, and calling and texting laws, among other things, and basically anything to do with technology and consumer protection matters. So he wears a lot of hats, and we're so glad that he is back to talk to us. Thank you, Mark, for joining us this morning. Mari, so good to be with you and to be with your listeners again. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Really nice to connect. Yeah. So, so much is going on in California. So from D.C., just a short hip hop. Uh, skipping a jump from all the craziness that goes on in D.C., you have to keep up with what's happening in California. So last time we talked, I think it was right after the California Consumer Privacy Act had been enacted. So, boy, lots of things have happened. Let's talk a little bit about what's in the news with the CCPA. And what can you tell us what's happening in the privacy industry with that? Yeah, happy to. And, you know, as as you and many of your listeners know, in the United States, we continue not to have a comprehensive federal privacy law. And as a result, states have had the opportunity in recent years to explore 
this this issue at the state level. And what we've seen is that California has taken the lead and has adopted uh, the the CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act. Um, and the last time I joined you and your listeners, it was shortly after the CCPA had been passed. And, you know, in some ways, the more things change, the more things stay the same. But for all the things that have been very different about 2020, one thing has been consistent, and that is in California, privacy remains a paramount consumer protection priority. Um, so as many of you know, uh, the, the CCPA uh, as a statute became effective January 1st of this year, and it imposes a variety of requirements in privacy space on uh, companies that do business in California and collect or engage with the personal information of California residents. So these requirements step from things like notice and transparency issues to allowing consumers to uh, uh, act on certain privacy rights, accommodating those rights requests, providing copies of their personal information, uh, uh, honoring consumers' requests to um, opt out of sales of their personal information, and, and certain other things. Um, again, uh, California has been a leader in this space. The requirements became effective January 1st, and of note, uh, as of July 1st, the California Attorney General has had the authority under the PA to begin enforcing the statute. And so that's been a, a, a big recent development that, that many companies are, are uh, watching closely. And, and probably worried about as well. I mean, and what is important for people who are listening is it's not just California companies. It's any company that has um, their customers in the state of California. So it really affects the entire country, right? That's right. The, the breadth of the CCPA has made it uh, the de facto uh, privacy law for companies in the United States and, and, and looking at American consumers. Now, I mean, if you think of it this way, in, in 2020, if you're going to have uh, anything uh, more than just a very local business, you're probably going to have uh, some engagement with California residents. So even though by its terms, the CCPA targets businesses doing business or companies doing business in California and is focused on uh, companies that do business in California and collect the personal information of California residents. Right. In reality, that's pretty much everybody. Right. Right. To, 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 at least to at least consider, right? I mean, there, yeah. there, are other, there, are other, there are other nuances, but that really does capture a, a wide variety of businesses. And if you have to do this for all the California residences, it's kind of hard not to do it for everybody anyway, you know? It, it kind of gets confusing, I would think. For So aren't other states kind of following in our footsteps? Well, I think in an effort to make sure uh, – my job doesn't get too easy. Uh, states have looked at this, <laughs> but, but we're not seeing the, the mirroring, right? We're seeing states that, um, you know, take a look at the CCPA and then adopt some provisions, but, but then do something else different. Uh, and I'll tell you that the, the actual, uh, uh, they're actually following California's lead in that because um, in adopting the CCPA, there was already a model out there in the European GDPR, right? So that right. went into effect May of 2018 and, and really set the standard globally for the types of data protection 
activities that companies should be mindful of and the ways that 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 companies and consumers uh, both have different roles uh, with respect to uh, the privacy of personal information. Now, the, the CCPA has some similarities to the GDPR, but also some areas where it's very different. And so what we've seen since the passage of the CCPA is that other states uh, have have introduced, many other states actually, um, have introduced uh, different forms of privacy legislation. And it really has been an exponential increase. But we're not seeing one clear model. We're seeing lots of different examples. And it does feel like every time a state introduces privacy legislation, it's trying to put its own stamp on the issue and add some other new issue or new requirement or new new provision that you haven't seen before. So there's there's a bit of a race there. I don't know if it's to the top or the bottom, but there's definitely some competition going out between um, state regulators on this front. Yeah, that keeps you up at night, huh? That patchwork <laughs> of all these different laws. You have to say, okay, what state are you in? And or who do you who do you sell to? Or <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, we saw, it's craziness. We saw that. Yeah, it, 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 it's wild. And we saw this happen over the last uh, a decade or so with the state data breach. Yeah, the security those... breach, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So we're seeing that trend again. And, you know, there are, there are certainly um, views out there that, that support the ability of the states to experiment with uh, different ways to, to address the privacy issues. At the same time, if you're a company that's trying to provide your services to consumers nationally, um, you know, it, it, it gets complicated. And we have certainly seen some provisions in the bills that have been introduced in the last few years that would conflict with one another. So certainly the hope is that there uh, would be some uniform set of requirements that companies can follow. And I think that's why you're seeing this growing uh, preference by many to have some uh, level of federal uh, approach to this issue rather than this this constant uh, state approach that that really has has been a bit piecemeal and and like I said it, when you when you run into scenarios where the, the the state provisions would conflict you know each state gets to look at the issue but I, I think you want to provide ways for uh, at the end of the day all the consumers in the the U.S. to be um, treated fairly and to to expect similar benefits as they travel from state to state. So the mm-hmm. onus becomes on the federal government to look at this issue. Right. Well, that's kind of what happened with the Fair Credit Reporting Act when, you know, when they were dealing with identity theft issues and I testified in Congress that, you know, many of the California laws um, were looked at, but, you know, watered down. So it just seems to me as someone, someone who really values consumer privacy is to say, okay, let's let's look at where really um, some strong measures and make it federal. But I, I, that never happens when everybody's negotiating in, <laughs> in D.C., as you know. So um, it kind of some of the things get watered down. So that's why California kind of fights some of the federal legislation because they work so hard to get things here. But what's, it's also interesting that the CCPA was started out as an initiative by a group of privacy-conscious people, and it was – negotiated into, um, you know, legislation. And so that that's kind of what's happening again, right? Don't we have that coming up now with the um, California Privacy Rights Act? Isn't that going to be an interesting thing? Talk about that. Yeah, so um, perhaps another uh, refrain on the more things change. 
that's exactly right. The CCPA as legislation was the result of an effort that had started as a voter ballot initiative. Right. And it was all set to appear on the November 2018 ballot right. as, a, as, as a set of requirements that, that were similar to what ended up as the CCPA, but actually had some other provisions in there. And for a variety of reasons, there was a there was an effort to then um, work through the legislature rather than have it be um, a, a ballot initiative in the end. And, that, and that's what happened. Well, well, the same people that were behind the CCPA in 2018 have now come back with a new ballot initiative uh, called the CPRA, the California Privacy Rights Act, um, and you know that. This is uh, set to be on the the California uh, voter ballot uh, later this later this year. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and what and what we're seeing, by the way, for the CPRA is that polling is showing that an, that that it, it looks like it's being received favorably by voters. Interestingly enough, a number of privacy rights organizations are coming out uh, against the CPRA expressing concerns about some of its provisions. But again, the polling uh, still looks to be uh, on track for passage, but we'll have to wait and see. There's a lot that can happen between now uh, and Election Day. And so so can you kind of dis, um, distinguish between the CCPA and at least right now as an initiative what the CPRA has? Yep, happy to. So there's a there's a one minute version and then there's a two hour version and the one minute version. <laughs> the one minute version is you're gonna have to go back to to your teams and and assess your compliance efforts. Uh, some notable examples. Um, it would significantly expand the CCPR. Excuse me, the CCPA. So it, it builds on the CCPA, but it goes uh, much broader and more detailed. Some examples, uh, there's new data minimization and storage limitation requirements on businesses. There's a new data security obligation that would apply to all the personal information collected by a business. There's a new right to opt out of what's, what's thought of as cross-context behavioral advertising. New rights to limit the use of sensitive personal information. So to expand what the CCPA has for the protections on that front. Um, a new right to correct any inaccurate personal information. Now, this, this one takes a page from the, the European GDPR, but it would al- allow consumers rights to correct the inaccurate information that companies have about them. And then a couple of final points, uh, new and expanded contracting requirements for sharing personal information with third parties. It would remove the 30-day cure period uh, that companies uh, enjoy today. So today, as part of the enforcement of the CCPA, um, the AG uh, can, can identify potential violations, then you have 30 days to cure it. That would be gone under the CPRA. Mm. Finally, there would be a new state agency to enforce the law and develop uh, rules over time on how best to protect Californians' privacy. Yeah, because right now, any enforcement is really with the Attorney General's office. And, um, and you know, have you seen much in the area? Well, of course, it, it, the enforcement only came out in July, and we're only in September now. But have you seen much enforcement coming down? Well, it's interesting, right? Because I think uh, often people in political roles uh, get accused of not doing what they say they're going to do. I see. Well, mm-hmm. 
leading up to the July 1st date, which again is the date at which the California Attorney General was authorized under the statute to begin enforcing the CCPA, the Attorney General and the Attorney General's office said, we plan to start enforcing the statute July 1st. And they did. They did exactly what they said they were going to do. On July 1st, the, the California Attorney General's office began sending letters to a variety of companies uh, that, uh, in their view, were subject to the CCPA and, and sent these letters giving notice of potential violations and mm-hmm. thereby triggering that 30-day cure period that companies have under the statute. Right. Um, so they, they, they did exactly what they said what they were going to do. So companies that were surprised that they began enforcing shouldn't have been surprised because, again, it's what they said they would do. Right. But where, where it's been interesting is to look at some of the areas that they've been focusing their enforcement on uh, in this, uh, with this July 1st and forward authority. So what have they been doing, Mark? What, what have they been uh, focusing on? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? So it's we're we're in, uh, you know, where all the companies um, are have teams who are working from home. Uh, no doubt, the California Attorney General's office is is remote or largely largely remote as well. Right. And so, what you're seeing are the types of things that somebody could identify as potential compliance problems without ever leaving their house, without ever leaving their desk, and mm. things that you can see from public facing documents. So um, we've seen some examples uh, in in the letters where the attorney general's office has flagged where under the CCPA in your privacy policy, you have to say if you are uh, selling personal information. And if you are, then you also have to give uh, consumers an additional mechanism to opt out of the sale of that personal information. And you have to include a do not sell my personal information button on your website. Well, the California Attorney General's office, uh, apparently with good internet access, uh, has been able to identify websites where the privacy policy states that a business is selling data or may sell data, but then doesn't have the button. Right. Mm. So these, you know, what's going on? Is is it a technical error? Is there some disconnect in the company practices, et cetera? So we've seen some focus there. Um, we've also seen some questions come through. Uh, in those letters where the attorney general uh, is is looking at whether companies uh, are effectuating the deletion rights that customers have. And, right. and, you know, how does a consumer how does a consumer act on that? Right. What are the steps that are taken and what are the exemptions that the companies may rely on and so forth? That, you know, from what I understand um, from from different conversations that the attorney general's office has received a lot of complaints from consumers and other stakeholders about companies that are resisting deleting the information upon request. Uh-huh. Now, the CCPA provides some some exceptions there from the deletion right, but I, I flag this because I think for your listeners, for anybody that's out there in the uh, you know working at companies trying to comply with the law here, be mindful if you're going to deny the deletion request. Make sure you've got a, a a compliant reason for doing so because it is an issue that is uh, getting attention with the attorney general. Wow. This is this is tough on your clients, I'm sure, just trying to keep up with all this stuff. And when they get that 30-day notice, um, they got to scramble. So they're calling you, help, help, 
<laughs> Help us, Mark. What do we do? How do we get this done? So do you guys have to negotiate with the attorney general's office and say, hey, we're, we're working on it. You know, don't do anything. <laughs> don't find us yet. We got it done. Or, I mean, is there any room for negotiation there? Well, there, there is that 30-day cure period, right? So the, these letters that the attorney general sent out, uh, mentioned the 30-day cure period. So, so effectively, those letters flag what the attorney general's office is seeing as a potential problem. And then, you know, you, you, you're asked to reply to the letter. You're asked to, to right. weigh in. And, and you know, there, I think different companies out there might take a variety of approaches in response to that letter. But if, but if you just assume that there is some work to be done, then the question becomes, well, how best do you resolve the issue? And it, it underscores the importance of having that cure period. I've definitely seen other contexts where um, regulators have been empowered to enforce directly against companies without some oh, yeah. uh, warning or opportunity to fix. And, yeah, that's and, not right. Know, becomes, yeah. Well, yeah, right. It, it becomes, you know, and I think there could be some areas where um, it makes sense to, to make sure things are kept moving uh, forward and that things are resolved quickly. Right, but at the right. same time, there are so many different reasons why something could, could seem uh, out of place. I just, I just remember living through um, some different examples where it felt like the regulators were playing a game of gotcha, right? Yeah, where they're, yeah, right. they're looking for the headlines. And, and I'll tell you, that right. has not been my sense so far with the California Attorney General's Office. I really feel like they put a lot of work into... The, the implementation of the CCPA that they've had to do. They've got the separate rulemaking that they're trying to wrap up. Um, they've been thoughtful in how they go about the both the development of the rules and now the enforcement. I think staff has been working really hard on a lot of these issues and trying to make sure that, that they um, are able to uh, be protective of California consumers while also um, thinking through some of the, the impact here on the broader um, business yeah. community. So, it, I mean, I, I've, especially I've, you know, now, I've got nothing but nice things to say about that. that oh, piece. well, that's good to hear. And, you know, especially now with COVID, there's so many companies that are really struggling, you know, as it is, and then have this on top of it that, you know, they, they have so many people who are furloughed and, and people who are, you know, working remotely and all the different challenges. So it seems that they should have notice and have some time to cure. So I, I getting back to the, to the uh, California Privacy Rights Act, if that, okay, so that's an initiative, unless the legislature does something and, and it's voted upon, then that will become law, and that can't be negotiated. So I think that's the really important thing for people to understand, at least in California, with the initiative process. If if an initiative passes, it becomes law. It's not negotiated like legislation. And so I think the legislature is going to have to do like they did with the CCPA, and they're going to have to negotiate this, Correct. Yeah, I, I, and the window has essentially passed on that too. So it looks like we're heading for the the the, the ballot okay. box on this. And if it passes, it would not become effective until January first, twenty twenty three. So there would be a window here 
um, of time to for, get for used something. to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe other legislation to kind of uh, take care of it. But yeah, but that particular if that's right. So now that's if if that passes, then that passes. So um, interesting. I I uh, I actually had on our show. Alistair, what's I forgot his name, the guy who who heads that, um, you know, the leadership of, of these initiatives, and you know he's 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 spent a lot of his own money and his time. Just he's a real privacy advocate. So if you, you know, if you had the chance to talk to him, you'd understand where he's coming from as well. So uh, it's it's it'll be interesting. So they've got at least a couple years to to deal with the ramifications of it. So let's talk a little bit about um, the TCPA, which is the Telephone Consumer Pract. Uh, let's say Telephone Consumer Practice Act, right? Uh, Protection Act. Protection. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I seem I seem to surround myself with the four letter acronyms uh, <laughs> and, and really revolve around CPA and just mixing some other things. But yeah, Telephone Consumer Protection Act. So this is the this is the federal statute that gets at the robocalls those uh, auto-dialed, pre-recorded calls and texts that are out there. Right. So um, you're, you're well known for your work on this. So what can you tell our listeners that they need to know about this? Well, it's been an interesting year uh, with respect to the development of the TCPA uh, framework and, and law. So late last year, Congress passed a law it was signed by the president that uh, didn't really get at some of the, the those longstanding difficult legal issues under the TCPA, things like what is an auto dialer, uh, what happens when you get consent, but then you call the wrong number, those sorts of things. But they did provide for some additional um, uh, call blocking mechanisms uh, and, and things for the, the agencies, the wireless carriers, and for companies that are placing calls to, to think about. And, and so this year, the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, has been working through, as part of its implementation of this, this law, it's called the TRACE Act, um, different ways to help consumers, in, in the first instance, have better confidence that they, the calls they're getting are from legitimate callers, and so ways for the carriers to block the scammers, the fraudsters, all those robo, you know, the unlawful robocalls that nobody wants. Right. And then aside from that, to make sure that um, if the carriers inadvertently block a call that should have gone through, that the caller can go to the carrier and say, wait a minute, I need to have these calls unblocked. So that way the consumers continue to get the calls they wanted to receive. Right. Now, if you ask me, you know, if, if somebody were to ask me, which calls do I want blocked? Um, you know, I would talk about, you know, certain family members, I would see some of my friends that put them on the block list. Um, but, but in reality, it's not the friends and family. It's, it's making sure that the, the scammers, the fraudsters and others, uh, that those calls don't go through. The other interesting thing is that the Supreme Court recently agreed to take up a case for later this year to finally weigh in on the question of what constitutes an automatic telephone dialing system, an auto dialer. So when we think about the robocalls, right, it all comes back to this definition in the TCPA for automatic telephone dialing system. The TCPA is almost 30 years old, and we still don't have clarity on this fundamental issue. Huh. And over the last few years, different appellate courts, different appellate circuits uh, have come to different conclusions on this. So the Supreme Court this fall 
is expected to take up the issue, hear arguments, and hopefully by this time next year, hopefully a little before, we will have some clarity as to the parameters for the the, uh, the auto dialer. And that's what drives a lot of the litigation, a lot of the consent requirements for these uh, robocalls. Uh, and, and so forth. So that's it's going to be an important one to watch. Wow. Well, believe it or not, we are just out of time, Mark. So just will you give your website and people can contact you and see what's going on with your firm and all the new things in privacy. And uh, and then we're time. We got to go. Of course, Marian. Thank you again for having me today. Thank you to the listeners out there. Um, if you would like to connect afterwards, please do reach me at Mark with a K dot Brennan, D-R-E-N-N-A-N, at HoganLevels.com. And also, you can find our regular updates uh, by going to Engage.HoganLevels.com. Sign up there, and you'll be on our list for, for timely developments as they occur in all of these areas. Wonderful. Well, you're just a wealth of knowledge, and we will just definitely have you back again to keep us informed about all the things that are happening in privacy. So thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Maury. Have a good one. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. On the web, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.